Ah, hello, creeps and weirdos. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm referring to. <laughs> Welcome back to a mini review here on the Silver Screen Podcast. If you are one of our newer subscribers or this is your first mini review, these are reviews that we do basically uh, separate to our main in-depth reviews that are kind of almost straight from the cinema, uh, where we kind of give our thoughts on a recent film. Uh, the most recent one we did, I think, was I, it was a solo one that I did. I'm Mike, by the way, your main host uh, here today. And I did do one on um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was only about 16 minutes because I uh, hadn't had anybody to bounce off on that one particularly. Um, didn't really bother doing one for Ant-Man Quantumania because, well, it wasn't very good, frankly, was it? Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, DK didn't actually go and see that at the cinema, which... I'll be honest, was a very wise decision on his part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, I am here with my usual uh, fellow host, DK. DK, Hello. welcome. Hiya. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I wanted to basically have this uh, sort of down for posterity as a video because we did both get to the cinema, which is a rarity to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in the last week. And uh, we were probably going to end up having a conversation about it anyway, just what we thought of the movie, likes, dislikes, etc. Um, and I wanted to chat to DK about it and thought, you know what, why not just make it a mini review? Because that's what those are like anyway, quite conversational. And we don't really have the format of the main reviews. But, you know, we, do, we don't ask for favorite characters and stuff. We just give a quick, you know, score out of five stars at the end. And we keep it hopefully casual. We're going to start basically with just for a few minutes, a spoiler free section. Uh, just in case you hadn't seen the movie yet. That won't be very long because it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without any spoilers whatsoever. Um, and we will cut after that into the spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the movie, which has been out for over a week now, but if you haven't, then, you know, after the spoiler-free section, you can shut the video off, watch it, and then come back to it later and catch uh, our spoiler section. So uh, without any further ado, then, DK, do you have any uh, brief spoiler-free thoughts overall about the movie that you wanted to share? Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, very, uh, obviously with recent MCU entries, I was a little worried about this one, uh, worried that Gunn was going to stick, you know, going to be able to stick the landing, and I really shouldn't mm. have worried about that. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I did like the movie a lot as well, and I think, uh, it was, without giving specific spoilers, I think I, I messaged you at the time and said, I think it ended for every character in a perfect way. It gave them all the great send-off that I was kind of happy about and it didn't feel like anything was cheap or a cop out or anything. It just seemed like a natural end point for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that's what I liked. And I have said um, to you as well, that even though this is my least favorite of the guardians trilogy, I'm certainly not seeing it's bad. And I compared it to the star Wars trilogy uh, because my particular ranking of the Guardians movies goes two, one, three, which is also how I rank the original Star Wars trilogy, like Empire, New Hope, Jedi. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't say that you know any of those are bad films and they work really well as a trilogy, as I think this will as well. Um, if you I, if you don't watch anything but the Guardians movies, they do actually pause the movie for a solid five minutes to tell you what happened during Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame. So no worries there. <laughs> that was a little bit clunky, but I guess it's kind of necessary if you weren't really keeping up, I suppose. So <laughs> um, yeah, what yeah. Did you I think, think if, that, if anything, anything the uh, the MCU kind of hampered this trilogy rather than anything else. Oh, I disagree. I think they've uh, they had moments in those Avengers movies that I think were were key. But yeah, I would say the cameo in Thor: Love and Thunder was pointless. But James Gunn's already said that was basically Taika Waititi taking a bullet to get rid of Thor from the Guardians because he didn't want him in this. So you know, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, no, I, I think they had some of my favorite moments, I think, in that Avengers uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And I don't think it would have worked as well without them, especially with Thanos and everything in the first movie. But, again, that's broader strokes than we tend to get into. And I, when I say hampered, I think it would have... Th- that's the only downfall I had with this. If mm. you've... if You know, if not everybody's seen the movies that are not Guardians movies, I don't see why anybody would, because luckily they were in some, you know, decent MCU entries. So, notwithstanding. But, uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I I think it would have been nice had Gamora not, you know, had to be replaced, as it were. Yeah, but it seemed like that's what they wanted to do. And I'll I'll sort of talk about that in the spoiler section, like the way that that's dealt with. Yeah. I will say that um, in terms of catching you up, they kind of do a good job with those Avengers movies. Like I said, if you hadn't seen them again, who wouldn't have? Considering Endgame is like the second biggest selling movie of all time, but still. Um, but what they don't do is they don't hold your hand with regards to the holiday special, which they jump straight in with the spoiler from that. So if you hadn't seen that, I will say you probably should watch that before uh, Volume Three, because yeah. <laughs> Um, did you uh, would you say the same thing, Diki, or not really? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the main plot points from the holiday special is kind of addressed within the first five minutes of this. And if you're not up to speed with the holiday special, you're like, "What? Where, where the hell did that come from?" Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's worth it just to see Kevin Bacon, to be fair. But it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, if if you've not seen the holiday special, but again, if you're going to see the Guardians films, why would you not have seen the holiday special at this point? Yeah, I think that I liked having seen the holiday special because it gave you an interesting lead into this because it starts at quite a a low point in sort of you know Return of the Jedi style. That I like that the holiday special gave us something leading up to that instead of just throwing us straight in to like oh wow okay where are we here and yeah. that was a nice one this was and... a good holiday special so if you've not seen it <laughs> go do so uh, just quickly then what we what were your thoughts generally on the uh, the holiday special i presume you must have liked it oh yeah loved it awesome yeah i was the same like i said i just enjoyed that it was a bit of fun uh it was obvious that they were basically filming it whilst they weren't needing drax and mantis for this film as much because yeah. they were the only focus of the holiday special and uh I did notice that the Kevin Bacon scenes in the holiday special of Our Earth were very similar to a location that we visited in this movie. I was like, ah, so that's when they were filmed, clearly. Yeah. Because all they've done is rip down the Christmas decorations, and uh, there you go, it's the same set. But yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of the story overall, then, did you think that the, the trilogy did sort of stick the landing? Were you happy with how it went and with the movie as a whole? Yes. Yeah, th- there, was, there was one point where I thought... I'm really not liking where this is going. And about two minutes later, I was just like, this is ace. Yeah. (laughs) I was the same. It took me a while to settle into it. I was like, this isn't bad, but it's not winning me over yet, especially in the way that the first two do. And it does, you know, start very differently to the others, as I'll say, when we get into spoilers. But I was the same as you. As it went gradually on further and further, I was like, no, I get what it's doing. And it is telling an actual story and taking its time to unfold it gradually. And I loved what it did. And like I said, by the time you got to the end, I was like, this is exactly what we needed, where we needed to be and how we needed to get here. So I see what you did there, James Gunn, and I kind of liked yeah. it. <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. that the, pro- the problem I had with regards to enjoying it is without giving spoilers away, the marketing material that's been put out there tends to lead you in a specific direction. 
Mm. And oh, all the way yeah. through, I was dreading what was going to happen. Mm. I think I need to rewatch it again and not be sat there on the edge of my seat, just think, just expecting what I would say is the worst. This is now going to be the spoiler section. So if you haven't seen the movie, as I said, you can always uh, head back and catch up with us uh, once you have. But if you have, maybe you can uh, see if you agree with our thoughts, disagree. You can always share thoughts with us in the comments and such. So uh, as I was kind of alluding to then, DK, let's start the spoiler section straight off and just say nobody died. That was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was that scene at the end with Quill and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this is it. But no. No, no one died. I was, I was very, very surprised. And as I say, I, I was sat there all the way through, thinking, "It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be this person. Oh, this is where it's going to happen." And it didn't. And it was a pleasant surprise. It didn't go for cheap gimmicks or anything like that. Or, it, you know, maybe the cheap gimmick was that you're expecting, especially with the marketing. But uh, mm. yeah, no one died. And... I'm, I'm far too movie savvy because I wasn't fooled by. Either of them. I was close with the Quill thing, but for me, there was a moment earlier on when Rocket is kind of, you know, flatlining and he sees the really cheesy ghosts of the his animal friends, which is my least favorite scene in the movie, by the way. But um, it's like, oh, Rocket, of course you can come join us. And uh, I was just like, I know the next words are going to be, but not yet. And sure yeah. enough, I was like, yep, that was the only place you were going to go with that. And it was so obvious. And the Quill thing... I knew as soon as he mentioned earlier in the movie about like, oh, your granddad's still waiting for you. How is that fair kind of thing? I was like, that's going to have to pay off somewhere. Yeah. So I was like, they can't really kill him off. Or if they do, they may be killing him off and then doing something similar to what they did in Guardians 1, where he sees like a vision of his grandfather. And it's like, oh, I'm welcoming you to the afterlife soon or whatever. But again, I, that, that really did have me nervous because I was like, I can see them doing that. And it does seem like... Quill's gone here, you know, that was, that really was played for every inch of like, look, what's happening, it's, it's you know, it's severe, things are really bad, it's gonna happen, and then, yeah, Adam Warlock saved his life last minute, and I was like, for you! <laughs> yeah, I, th I think, I, I don't know if it was a group effort, but they played it, the uh, both Gunn and the actors played it very savvy, hmm. with their intentions of, you know, Batista and saying, I'm not going to be back, and it's you know pretty, yeah. a, a pretty much a definite and uh, Paul Clementiev saying yeah I'm kind of moving on and Karen Gillan and, and all that uh, kind of stuff. Zoe Saldana recently has as well in the last couple of yeah. years. Yeah, so yeah. you know uh, you were expecting one of them, one of them to go, and I'm so mm. glad that they didn't. It's weird though because on that subject, I still think it was kind of sad. It still felt like a definitive ending, even though I've, nobody was killed off. <laughs> I've put this in my review. Uh, uh, on Letterboxd, my review is is just basically saying I hate this movie in the way that I hate Star Trek Six. I just do mm. not want to say goodbye to these characters. Well, some of them, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, effectively, you're saying goodbye to anything that involves an actor wearing prosthetics, and everyone else seems to be fair game to come back. Weirdly, so. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. it all it's all dependent on a how Gun does over at Warner's, and b mm. how much. How desperate Avla to uh, to have him come back? I mean, I, I would yeah. imagine there's just literally dump trucks full of money being thought about as we speak because this, you know, this is the best MCU movie we've had in a long, long time. Well, I mean, 
I'm I'm less on that page because I tend to rail against people that are like it's been trash for ages because there's a, for me Phase Four has some bad movies and a lot that people just conveniently forget when they want to write things off. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean it is. It's not been trash for a long time, but the yeah. problem was when when the TV series started, they were kind of at little events in themselves, but with One Division and Loki, mm. and maybe it's because we've had you know too much. I'm hoping. Secret Invasion's going to turn things around, maybe Loki, Loki Season 2, but none of them felt particularly special. And at mm. the same time, with um, ironically enough, uh, the specials, Werewolf by Night and the Guardians one, notwithstanding, mm. uh, were kind of forever. It was all right. I had some good emotional moments. Yeah, I, I love that. I would say that's, for me, that's better than this movie on a par with Spider-Man No Way Home, personally. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I won't go that far. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I've, I, but I've only watched it once so far. I think I have to go back and rewatch that again. But for me, uh, with the exception of, I think, uh, you know, No Way Home, Phase 4, it, it was kind of a dud for me. And the fact that they started off phase five with Quantumania, mm. it wasn't a good sign to me. So I'm hoping this is, say, a reversal. But to me, these, this especially this one especially doesn't feel like an MCU movie. It just That's, feels like yeah. a gun slash Guardians movie. And I think That's it's what I was, a better uh, for it. That's what I was going to say, because I, I did say that to you, because I remember texting you and saying I really love that movie. And you said, oh, does that mean it's a turnaround for the MCU? And I believe my exact words were, it's got nothing to do with the MCU. Yeah. It's completely about these characters in this trilogy, and it ties in in no way whatsoever, unless it's a way that we just can't see at all. But honestly, I can't see how it would. Not yeah. least because, like like Guardians 2, supposedly it takes place like a couple of years before everything else as well. So... Like it can't really tie into the big events that in the Marvel universe are happening in like 2025 because supposedly you know it's in 2023 or something. But without getting too nerdy, like you said, it's not about that. It's finishing off this trilogy, and ultimately because of all of the you know shenanigans and firing and rehiring and stuff, this should have been out ages ago. Yeah. So it should have been part of Phase Four and probably quite early Phase Four anyway. So naturally, it can't really you know tie into anything else and. Yeah, I mean, since we're in spoilers, I can say if you're expecting like an appearance by Kang or you know anything that sets up the next storyline, the the new equivalent of an Infinity Stone or anything, that's not any such thing. Yeah, no. Um, and but I think I will it's say. all the better for it. It doesn't. You mm. don't have these kind of shoehorned in moments. And unfortunately, I think when it comes to most of the MCU, these kind of crossovers or extra characters, they've, they've kind of been expected now for a while, and most of the time. In you know, in in the earlier phases, especially, it kind of worked. But we reached a point where you know, when you got to uh, multiverse of madness, where you just you were just thinking, just stop it now. It's it's mm. stupid and it's pointless. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But I mean, Guardians already has a built-in stable of like cosmic characters who can appear and stuff anyway. So there's no need to uh, you know, it would seem unusual to have an appearance from an Earthbound hero when you're already. I mean, this is the first. Other than the holiday special and a few cameos, it's the first real appearance of Cosmo as, as like a guardian. It's the first appearance at, at any sort of rate of Adam Warlock. Um, and, you know, it's the first appearance of the High Evolutionary and that whole sort of situation and that corporation. So you're already introducing a lot. It would seem kind of redundant to add anything else into that mix, I think. And I think, like I said, Gunn, as you said, was wise 
to keep that focus and be like, no, we're just about this area of the world and uh, and the Marvel universe and keep it that way. But um, I, mean, one... I will I will say this that outside of Guardians, I'm not Gunn's biggest fan as a movie maker. Mm. Oh, like yeah, me his, too. I mean, as you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like some of his stuff. Some of his stuff just doesn't do it for me whatsoever. But I can't I can't fault him with the Guardians movies. He's done excellent work. Yeah. And I think it's the whole situation, you know, the, the firing and rehiring, I think at the end of the day, it's going to prove to be a bit of a mistake. I mean, he, he was originally slated to take on the cosmic side of things at Marvel, wasn't he? Well, yeah, but I think that even before the firing and stuff, I think he was basically like, no, I'm going to do a third one and potentially set up a future for somebody else, but I'm going to just do those and then go. I'm sure I read that uh, he was going to take over, well, not take over as such, but quietly guide it behind the scenes. Mm. And I think that had that plan originally panned out, I think I would feel a lot safer about the trajectory of the MCU. Uh, I'm... <sighs> I'm kind of looking forward to when he goes over to Warner's, but I'm kind of not at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a very strange – to be a nerd is a very strange thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but I'm in a similar situation because, like, I love the Guardians trilogy. It's my favorite MCU trilogy. All three are in my top ten MCU movies. And I love the character of Superman. And yeah, I'm dreading a James Gunn Superman movie, which makes no sense because it's all, all the elements are there that I should be really excited you know, for. It, but I'm just it's, like, Ugh. it's not that I'm dreading it. It's it's just that I don't know. To me, it feels like he belongs at Marvel. And I'm only yeah. basing this off the three Guardians movies. Yeah. I mean, we we've seen Suicide Squad, and it it was all right. It just didn't set the world on fire. And I just think he gets these characters in a way that he doesn't necessarily get some of the distinguished competitors' characters, if that makes I, sense. I don't even think it's necessarily about breaking it down to Marvel and DC. I just think it's that James Gunn struggles with earnest characters. Like, he can write characters earnestly, but they, they all kind of have to be a little bit weird. I think that's why he was, as much as I didn't like the movie in the end, it, it made sense for him to do The Suicide Squad, because they are, you know, the misfits and outcasts. And it's the same here with the cosmic side of Marvel and the Guardians and stuff. And even when he was announcing, like, creature commandos and things at DC, like, I would say that's his lane. But then announcing him to write a Superman movie, I'm just thinking, hmm. The only evidence I have of you doing solo superheroes is Super and executive producing Brightburn. And I don't want either of those, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But, uh, um, yeah, well, quickly, anyway, I did want to ask you, uh, did you stick around for both uh, post credit scenes? I did, yes. Well, you'd be, you'd be a fool not to at this point, wouldn't you? <laughs> so I was going to say, because you were mentioning earlier, like, oh, uh, what, what will be coming back and what won't. But, of course, we had the big announcement at the end, which is the legendary Star-Lord will return. So yeah. what's that we, about? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, as I said in my Guardians 1 review, Star-Lord is my guy. He's, I just prefer Rocket because dude's my spirit animal. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I was I was so buzzing to see that and if we never see the others again which you know i hope is not the case but yeah just just to know that at least one of them's coming back i uh well yeah, i'm all on board for that yeah, i'm not sure how they would do it 
But well, that's the thing. I've, I've I've been discussing this with some people on various social medias and our Discord. And I think one one person uh, on I think it was either Twitter or Mastodon had said something like, "Well, how is it that Chris Pratt can come back when?" He'd announced something like he wasn't going to and there was no contract or whatever else. And I did point out, well, it didn't say Peter Quill would return. And if you're a fan of the comics, you know that Star-Lord is a title that can be passed on. So Mm -hmm. there is that option. I don't think that's the case. I think we're basically, we've all been Andrew Garfielded and Quill's probably going to just pop up in Secret Wars as one of the many heroes that, you know, joins the next Avengers uh, rotation. Um. But yeah, I, I will say though, I really liked the team of Guardians we ended up with at the end in the post credit scene. And I really do hope we see them again because that's actually quite a sweet team. <laughs> um, yeah. It is. I've just sat around talking about the favorite music artist. Yeah. But it's such a cool team and they seem like they, they make sense. They all have powers that kind of complement each other, if you know what I mean. And they're a good mix of like actual people and like, you know, voice artists doing animals and things and stuff. So, and I just, as much as I don't love what they did with the character, I just love that they acknowledged Philavel. So, so yeah. just to see that character, like, yay. Yeah. Um, seems a bit weird that you're doing that before the Marvels and not in that film. But, you know, again, that's Marvel for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the shop, but. Yeah. Very. I wasn't cool. expecting the, 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 the character of Adam Warlock. To be like it was, I, I was. I wasn't expecting this version of Warlock, and I'm not going to say I was disappointed. It was just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it to be played I, like that. I think I'm kind of, I'm, I'm torn in this one because again, this comes down to a conversation I had with Toby on our Discord. Hi, Toby, um, who said that it seems like Adam Warlock was there purely because Gunn had had the post credit scene in volume two and had to fit him in. And I was like, I, I kind of see what you mean. I, I don't, I'm not complaining because he had a great purpose for me in the film, which is that he was the one who had to have the redemption arc and kind of the high evolutionary is so utterly irredeemably villainous, you know, terrible that with Adam, I, I really liked that kind of everybody deserves a second chance moment. Um, yeah. And you wouldn't have that otherwise. But I do feel like, yes, the Sovereign's appearance, including Warlock in this movie, is very much just like, well, I've got to include him. I kind of said I would. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you say the same? She was disposed of in, in quite an offhand manner. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I maybe. I, I, I mean, there was a lot to fit in there. I certainly wasn't expecting to see uh, the other Ravagers. Uh, mm. Which, so... again, was completely pointless because that was... Barely a cameo in the end. It was. Uh, I did enjoy it though. It did. It, you do get a feeling a lot of the times of it's a, a best of. They're just you know everything's there. As I, I mean, you know, you saw me raving a couple of weeks ago about Christopher Fairbanks being in Guardians of the Galaxy. Certainly never expected him to show up in this one. As soon as I saw that scene, I was like, oh, DK is going to be so pleased that Chris Fairbanks is playing poker with Howard the Duck in this round. I was. I actually, I actually <laughs> show like, ah, It's Chris Fairbanks. He's there. And like, everyone is looking at me and says, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, they do that anyway. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was really happy. And, and do you know something? Until that point, I'd completely forgotten about Howard. So it was a revelation once again to see it, even though. <laughs> I knew he was going to be in it, but I was that caught up in the events that I'd yeah. kind of forgotten about it. 
I didn't know he was going to be in it. It's always a nice surprise anytime he appears because again, it's only ever a little cameo thing. But it was nice. Yeah. I liked it. In terms of like, yeah, spirit animals, I did want to say Cosmo is my spirit animal. I just loved her in this movie. I thought she was handled really well because I think Maria Bakalova, as we know from like Borat Two is a bit of a comedy genius. And that was my favorite running joke through the movie was like Kraglin saying she was a bad dog and her yeah, just girl. constantly not having it and just like, no, take it back. I am good dog. <laughs> the fantastic triumphant moment when he's like, she, what, who's she? She's a good dog. And she's just jumping on him like, I knew it. I knew you thought I was a good dog. Yeah. I was like, That's so cool. I, you, I you know, again, like that they gave Kraglin too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was. Oh yeah, with yeah, Yondu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Oh. <sighs> I will say this: this 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 film made me well up a hell of a lot. Mm, toward the end, it did with me. I was trying not to, and uh, I'll tell you the same thing I told my sister because she saw it and we compared notes. Which is, I was welling up and very close during the scene of um, Drax. You weren't born to be a destroyer; you were born to be a father. Because I was like, "Oh, that's so sweet." Oh, <laughs> uh, so I was welling up during that, and I was kind of sad and probably could have welled up at the kind of big goodbyes and everything for everyone. Um, but the, the moment that finally got me was literally just Quill seeing a, a, a weirdly barely aged Greg Henry at the end. Like, yeah. Oh, it's granddad. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think of the action in this movie, by the way? Uh, the action scenes. I think a lot of the special effects and the actual appearance of it looked really good, which, again, for Marvel movies lately was a relief. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, just overall thoughts on the action, please. <laughs> really good. And, uh, you know, with the standout one being that... Uh, that corridor battle at the end mm. that, you know, see to go daredevil <laughs> piss on you. Uh, yeah. really enjoyed it. I, I, I can't, I honestly, it, it's not quite up there with, as you said, guardians one or two, mm. but there's, there was never a point in this movie that I could actively look, look at and say, well, that that's disappointing. There, there was yeah. a couple of times when I thought disappointment was on the horizon, and I thought I'm, I'm not liking where this is going. But yeah. it, it didn't take me out of it, and within about five minutes, that those thoughts had just completely gone out of the window. I thought the action in this was really good. There were, there were, I think maybe one or two kind of confusing things for me, uh, but I'm thinking where it, you know, it's, it's down to my. I've still got pandemic brain, I believe. Uh, I mean, my memory was never great in the first place. Uh, certain things in relation to ship geography, where Rocket was, the, the whole section where Rocket and Gamora and Adam and where people were coming from and where they were going to. There were times where right. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay, where's that located? And, and, and yeah, things it like was, that. Yeah, it was deliberately confusing because it was very much like, a ship took off that was a building that then left the atmosphere to go into space that was just about to dock. And then by the time you had nowhere, you know, coming into contact with that, but then Cosmo creating a telepathic tunnel so people could cross and stuff. And it was very, like, it took me far longer than it should have to realize that Cosmo was doing that. Cause I was like, wait, what's, what's Cosmo doing? Is she pressing a button or something? Well, how come they can breathe and stuff? And then I was like, oh, of course, she's got telekinetic powers. I get it now. Yeah. That's, no, it, that's it wasn't even doing. that. It was, it was <laughs> the, the, the part where Warlock's coming to, you know, to, to get him and Gamora's yeah. going out of the ship and then back on the ship and, mm. you know, where's yeah. what Adam coming? Uh, it, it just, it kind of threw me. There were, there were sections like that that kind of threw me, but I'm fully willing to admit that I'm as thick as shit and i've probably just missed something 
I can't say that it confused me in that particular regard, but that's just probably because I don't, I don't, I don't tend to notice these things or particularly care. And if it was in the middle of an action scene, I would have just been like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, say, I think um, for me, I was a, not disappointed because there's, there's nothing really bad in the movie, but for me, I was a little let down by the action scenes in terms of, you know, I think one and two has far better fights and space battles and things. Whereas a, a lot of this movie felt fetch questy. If that makes sense, it was very much we have to go here and get this thing in order to find this person who has this object who then will, you know, it turns out hasn't got that and will take us to this other object and point us in this direction. And I was like, I get it. You know, (laughs) it's a type of plot you're going with and that's fair enough. But yeah, I I mean, I even, you know, I even like the one on the uh, the the bioorganic station where Mm. Mantis is you know, playing with everybody's minds and everybody's trashing and there's that one guy stood there dancing and, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah that's a thing that I wanted to bring up, actually. It's a good job because I, I, I didn't even have this in my notes and I'd forgotten completely about it, but I think it was something else that I mentioned to Toby, which is that it felt at times like there were scenes cut from this because it was just really weird the way that it went from one scene to the next. And the prime example of that is in that fight when Drax gets shot and it was one of the many kind of, oh, no, they're going to die fake outs because... I think it's Mantis who grabs him and like, Drax, no, stop shooting him. And it looks like really bad for him. And then two minutes later, he's just like walking into the the cockpit of the ship, just not even mentioning having been hit. And I'm like, what what happened? (laughs) What did did we miss? (laughs) It took my my brain a a couple of minutes to catch up with that because it, it cut to that and they're having that whole conversation. And then my mind went, oh, poor Drax. And I was just like, Poor Drax, what are you talking about? He's fine, he's there. You know, it was like I was having a conversation with myself as to why I shouldn't worry about Drax. It was, yeah, it did kind of throw me for a second. In terms of the one sort of big thing that we haven't talked about yet, it's not really been a secret. James Gunn has, you know, said at length, this is basically going to have been Rocket's uh, story. And it absolutely was. There's no denying that it was very much the story of, you know, how he was made, his kind of past, his traumatic uh, you know, experiences, formative experiences. And, you know, the high evolutionary is very much his arch nemesis more than anyone else's. Um, so what did you think of that? Did you think that worked for this movie or not? So I much? did. I did. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to, uh, you know, when it came to Lila and stuff. And I just thought, I'm probably not going to like this. But I, I'm not going to say enjoyed it because they're not what you would call enjoyable no. scenes. But you know, they do make sense in the context of the thing. And I thought they were done very... It, it was a fine line. With the characters that you had, it could have very easily devolved into silliness. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not taking the these these other characters seriously. But they played it in in such a, such a way that uh, it worked for me. I mean, yeah. it's, it is kind of hard to watch in some respects. And... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not enjoyable viewing, and the person that I saw this with was in absolute buckets for a lot of the movie, especially on those scenes. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it worked. Yeah, I did want to say that because I've I've literally just seen on our Discord today, um, somebody posted, "Oh, I keep hearing that this movie is far too brutal and really bad and such." And um, again, Toby, it was that chimed in and said, "No, it's not bad." Because I said, "I think I can see where they're coming from, but that's an overreaction." And Toby said, I think the complaint is that people are going to see a PG-13 movie, taking a seven-year-old and then complaining that it is, in fact, a PG-13 movie. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing really. 
Like, I get it. There's a lot of animal cruelty, which if you're sensitive to that, and a lot of people are, fair enough. But at the same time, these are clearly not really animals. <laughs> like, they're talking and stuff. So if you can't suspend that level of disbelief, I'm I'm kind of confused by you, basically. Um, but yeah, there is that one scene that I did want to bring up, which perhaps was a bit too far, which was the reveal that it was a mask that the High Evolutionary was wearing the whole time and his face had just been completely clawed off by uh, by Rocket, as we saw in the previous scene. And I was like, ooh, I could have done without that. I didn't oh, no, to say, I, like... actually, I actually like that. I think that, and I think that showed, you know, kind of what, what Gunn is good at. He can take... He can take essentially a scene and just flip it emotionally. One minute he can be, uh, you know, laughing. And I think we touched upon this the other day in the Guardians 1 review. He, he, he can take a scene where, you know, you're laughing and you're having fun and then he can immediately switch it and you're like, ooh, you know? Yeah. On a similar note, what did you think of uh, the MCU's very first F-bomb? <laughs> 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 I was. I mean, unnecessary, honestly, basically. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't necessary, uh, but having been in that kind of situation where you're trying <laughs> to explain something to someone, I could fully sympathise with Peter. And <laughs> it 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 wasn't jarring in the sense that, as we you know, we've we've talked recently about a TV series yeah. that uses the f bomb and it it just doesn't work. This one, yeah. This one does. Uh, I don't want to make a big, th big thing of it because I don't think the movie made that big a thing of it. No, and, I was going to say that. I'm, it took me a while to even register that. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it was just used in, you know, in an average, albeit stressful conversation. But again, having been in that kind of situation, I can fully uh, appreciate its use. It came out so naturally, and like I said, it passed me by for like a, a, a couple of thought seconds after it happened. I was like, did I just hear? Oh, well, all right. Wow. Because <laughs> I do remember like you are allowed one in this particular PG-13 or, or whatever 12 rated movie. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, and having looked it up since, because Marvel, for whatever reason, have decided to market heavily on this. And they've released that clip online and everything. And I'm like, oh, guys. So, yeah, they're leading into it in a way, even though we don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness, you know. Deadpool is coming down the pipe, so yeah. they're probably trying to prepare people. But yeah. I, I remember when I first when when they first used the word in a James Bond film, that was jarring to me. This wasn't. Yeah, I do remember, like I said, uh, having looked it up now that they're they're kind of plugging it and stuff. Supposedly, uh, and this might be why it feels so natural. It wasn't scripted. It was literally an ad lib by Chris Pratt, and uh, Gunn just liked it that much and was like, "Keep it in. We're allowed one." And I was like, you know, that I can kind of believe that because it did kind of come out naturally in that sense, yeah. like, as you said, that frustration. And yeah, I don't want to dwell on it too much more because, like you said, it really shouldn't be a big deal. But yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel it. scripted. It doesn't feel like it should be a, a big thing. When I think a lot of time it's put in, in, in franchises or situations where it's not the norm, and they put it in, I think, just to come across as edgy, and it is yeah. jarring. And in this, it it just nothing it's just it's just there it's yeah if you're gonna i mean if you're gonna be offended by that first of all why are you listening to this podcast but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it was just come yeah it was just 
there. Fair enough. Um, changing tactic then. I do, I do want to try and get through as much of, because I have a few, just a couple of notes I wanted to talk about uh, without, you know, dragging this uh, review on for too long. Um, and the next thing I'd wanted to bring up was what did you think of the way that the Gamora plot was handled uh, with the fact that, you know, she obviously doesn't remember Quail, doesn't want anything to do with him. It's not the same Gamora. Because um, I have thoughts about that, but I just wanted to know what you thought about it. I wasn't, it's it's the one thing that I wasn't overly keen on, but I, I, I'm i not sure I, that, as we said earlier, I'm not sure I hold Gunn responsible for this. Uh, I, he might have had to say so at the end of the day when it came to the Russo movies. Uh, I know he didn't when it came to uh, Star-Lord taking on Thanos, so I can't say how involved he was in that decision. Honestly, I would have preferred it had it been our Gamora from the first two movies. Uh, I mean, it was it was dealt with in a decent way. It didn't pay off as I expected, but, you know, I don't think any of this movie paid off as I expected. And I think that's the good thing about it. They left it open. I can't see it being addressed anymore. It, it is what it is. I... It, it served for some good character moments, but mm. it, I, I would have, considering it's the swan song, I would have preferred the original Gamora. I, I see, I don't that much. I, I thought I was going to, but I actually really love what they did with this film because I fully, again, to, to your point, nothing really ended how I expected, and yet it all ended exactly as I think it should have. Um, yeah. So I'm not complaining just because it was not what I expected or wanted, even though as fans, that's what people often do a lot of the time but well no don't get me wrong i mean i didn't i didn't because it didn't go how i wanted yeah. i didn't hate it there was there was nothing that no, I, no, didn't, no. I i I, th I think everything was a pleasant surprise i'm not one of these people that like went in and you know started moaning about last jedi but yeah. it's just yeah I, I i think they did great we 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 what they had i just i you, you kind of get the impression and i think it's through peter it's it's good scripting and it's good acting, but you also miss that original Gamora, and I think See, they I, they play on that. Yeah, I think that they did what they did with it. That's what I was going to say. I wasn't really having a dig at you, more just general sort of uh, fandom or fandom menaces. But um, but no, I love what they did with that because Gunn took it. You know, whether it was his idea or somebody else lumped him with it. And I fully expected that it was just going to be, we'll just get them back together and it'll be, you know, starting all over again and stuff. And I was genuinely pleasantly surprised that they didn't do that. Yeah. And not only did they not do that, it actually benefited both of the characters because it's particularly Star-Lord with that really sweet moment about like, you know, Mantis trying to talk through Drax to tell him you've leapt from one girl to another and it's time you learned how to swim kind of thing. Uh, and I was like, that's really bold of them to do. And yet it makes absolute sense for... Peter not to, like, instead of coming to terms in, in the regard of trying to, you know, convince this Gamora that they were lovers or whatever, it was more about, well, I don't need her, which I liked. And it's the same for Gamora, like, she her ending up with the Ravagers because that was her place yeah. after all, you know? And I was like, that's that's kind of weirdly beautiful in a way. Um, even though, like I said, with, with that said, I think it was the perfect end to their kind of interactions that they just ended with Gamora saying, I'll bet we were fun. And Quill just, oh, you've got no idea. Because, yeah. like, you know, it just shows that it, it happened, it mattered. We're not erasing that, but it's time to move on, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I like and it, it's, it's not, a, you know, it's not a question like you, you get in a lot of franchises where they would have immediately got together, picked up, and the entire death of the original character would have been forgotten about, as if they'd never existed, yeah. if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. very... Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Farscape, but they did something very similar to that, which was they cloned the main character, uh, and then he, he, had, he had, like, a girlfriend in the show, and she 
got like she finally got with the clone of the the main character who was then killed off and she spent about three episodes devastated about it and then was like oh well you're the same person so <laughs> i was kind of like mm, let's not do that <laughs> yeah, yeah we uh we we did a a, a kind of a, a rewatch marathon of uh the old abc show once upon a time the other day and there was a a similar kind of thing in that and sometimes you you sat at the screen going no that's just wrong so i'm glad gun had the the balls to to actually say yeah that is wrong and i ain't doing it yeah yeah exactly yeah i love it um i love what that plot did i it's it's made me wonder obviously they're bringing at some point i wouldn't say soon but at some point they're going to be bringing the x-men into it and i'm wondering if there is a plan maybe to have quill with kitty pride as they did in the comics for a little while that's what I that's what I was alluding to when I said the kind of the legendary Star Lord mantle went to Kitty Pride. So and with the X-Men coming in, I do wonder if that's what they mean that it might be literally just a handing of the torch from Chris Pratt to whoever they've got to play that role. Yeah. Um, Cuz you know, they they can. Now they've got the rights. So but again, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but certainly it could. So yeah. Um, the the one person I wasn't expecting to, you know, supposedly stick around was Pratt. So if he is, fair play to him. Yeah, I will say that's the other thing as well. I really want to see that new Guardians team, but I'm kind of put off by the fact that Sean Gunn's still on that team, and we all know James Gunn's, you know, off to DC now, so it well, seems I mean, unlikely that... <laughs> well, I mean, they are saying, from what I've read today, that uh, Margot Robbie is still going to be Harley Quinn, even though she, you know, and take this with a pinch of salt, by this point next week it could have all been thing that she is supposedly cast as sue storm so she's going to be in both so i don't believe that for a second by the way I, I, it looks now increasingly like adam driver is going to be reed richards which ugh. yeah i, I thought <sighs> it looked like <laughs> i cast him as dr doom at least then it doesn't matter that he's only got one emotional range you know but anyway <laughs> um you know like i said i wanted to shout out a few moments that i liked which i, I really loved because i was curious like Groot didn't seem to be doing much, and I was curious what they were going to do when they got into the high evolutionary's base and stuff. So that moment when Groot like unfolds and he's holding like about seven or eight guns in different twigs, I was like, "Yeah, that, yeah, that was pretty sweet." <laughs> and it was it, as much as it's potentially cheesy. I did love that Groot got to talk at the end. The kind of we got to actually hear Vin Diesel say something other than "I am Groot" with the whole. No, life. no, I love you. We spent so much time with him. We we you know we'd learn we'd learned how to how to speak Groot. Yeah, as Gamora does, yeah, which is a nice yeah. touch. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like how they did that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I do think they missed a trick in not having him use the word family, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> just to, to kind of, uh, you know, feed off what you were saying about James Gunn and not loving his other work, I will say that I loved Peacemaker, which he did, the TV series or streaming series. Um, and I think the key performance in that was, weirdly enough, Chuck Woody Iwuji. Sorry, I probably butchered that name. Um, but he's key, without spoiling it, to Peacemaker and has a really complex and complicated role in that, which is basically the linchpin. So when I heard he was cast as the High Evolutionary, I was like, yeah, I can fully see why Gunn did that because you'd be watching that performance and think, I'll have that guy. And sure enough, his performance was outstanding. Completely different in the regard that the High Evolutionary, you're not supposed to feel even the slightest bit of sympathy for, and you don't. You no. fully hate the guy. As villains <laughs> you know? go in the MCU. This guy was a bastard. 
Yeah, but it's so well acted because you do genuinely not feel any shred of sympathy or kind no. of what you don't care about his backstory or his reasons. And it could that could so easily come off as arch and kind of, you know, the, the worst Bond villain or the worst comic booky type supervillain. But it doesn't. It seems he genuinely feels threatening. He feels real. His anger and rage are all genuinely scary. And it's like this is a really good performance. As much as I don't like the character at all, that's entirely the point and I will say that's an actor that I think I hope gets cast in more stuff because after those two performances now I really want to see him do more because yeah. he's so good man <laughs> seriously I, I, unlike you I've not seen Peacemaker so this was the first thing I'd really seen him in and mm. yeah he mm. as much as Jonathan Majors was good in mm. one of the only decent things in Quantumania yeah. this the, this this was this was one of the was, best MCU villains I've seen in some time. Yeah. And not for the reasons that like Killmonger and Thanos, where you're like, oh, I can kind of see their point or whatever. This is just like literally, it's well acted, it's powerful, and it fulfills exactly the function of a villain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I loved it. And uh, I did want to shout him out and just say, you know, in terms of the other characters and stuff, like I said, I really loved Maria Bakalova as Cosmo and her interaction with Kraglin. I loved all of the Guardians, but again, shout out to Karen Gillan again, who grows as Nebula literally every time she appears in his movies. And we talked about that in the Guardians 1 review, and the same thing happens again here. She's now a fully-fledged Guardian and kind of keeping the group together in a lot of ways. And I saw an interview with Karen Gillum where they asked her favourite moment, and she said her favourite moment in all of the films she's done was walking down the corridor in a Guardian's uniform as <laughs> finally part of the team. And I was like, yeah, you earned it, girl. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so before I uh, go to my last little bit, did you have any thoughts whatsoever on uh, like characters and actors and such in the movie? Mantis. I love Mantis. Yes. Yeah, I just yeah. love the fact that she's all sweet and light, and the minute she gets just pissed, she just turns into this screaming ball of rage. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think... Oh, but there's, there's not a single one of them that aren't great in this. Yeah. I am kind of glad, as much as we probably won't actually see them again, I'm glad to know for my own head canon that Drax and Mantis are together, in a sense. I know she kind of went off with those abelisks and Drax is really with Nebula, but Drax and Mantis are such a good double act that I can imagine Mantis will just cycle back around to nowhere and we'll have moments like the kind of like, well, what if I wanted a Zargnut? I don't have any left. And he just keeps eating he them. Just eating them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sheer cheek. And Drax, again, it shouldn't work. Some of the jokes that he gets are really cheesy and would be groan-inducing in most contexts. But like when he's he's at Counter-Earth and he just starts leaning on those guys' couch, like fully lying down, going, that's what it's for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it but really works uh, for me. You know, he's, he's been such a revelation actor, acting-wise. Oh, yeah. I, I am really going to miss, well, all of the characters that aren't coming back, but I think, yeah, probably Drax and Batista most of all. And yeah. again, that's an actor that I hope goes on to more things and doesn't get typecast because I can already say people that are like, oh, let him be Bane or Clearface and stuff. And I'm like, no, let him yeah. expand I don't, I, his range a bit. You know? but, uh, to his credit, I don't think he'd want to do that. I think he'd want something with a bit more of a challenge to it. As you know, as I say, he was the only decent thing in Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's good in everything we see him in, I think, anyway. So although I haven't watched like those bad comedies and stuff, but yeah. Uh what's it, I Spy or whatever? I, I didn't watch that. I can't say that I Yeah, you know. I can't say that I I, I rushed to watch <laughs> one of those, but uh Yeah. Uh, so the last thing I just wanted to bring up anyway, then as quickly as uh, as we can is what did you think of the music? Because that's obviously key to all the Guardians movies. And this one, given that Quill has a zoom and uh kind of has being back in touch with Earth culture has a much more varied palette, I would say, of music. It's not all 70s, early 80s stuff. Um, yeah. 
yeah, what do you think? <laughs> it brought it up to that conversation that we had uh, was regards to the music while I was watching it. That, and I'll still admit it now. It's the the music used in the film to me, anyway. I mean, your mind leads may vary, but to me, the music used in this isn't a patch on the music from one and two. But as you said in the conversation that we had outside this, it completely works in the context of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's the weird thing, because obviously they released the soundtrack album first, and I listened to the album and was like, as a compilation album, this is weird, and it's definitely the weakest of the albums. But then when you see the songs that they had picked for which moments in the movie and the way they use them, yeah, it works much better as a movie, as this, an accompaniment to the movie than it does just as a soundtrack on its own. So I will say if you've you know, you have the soundtrack and you're worried about its use in the movie. It's fantastic. I I, I really did. I loved uh, Creepers worked brilliantly into the opening. I truly loved the way they used uh, Dog Days Are Over at the end. Um, yes. Because the dance sequence is at the end instead of the start of this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I had um, several people look at me as well because uh, I used to be a rabid, rabid Faith No More fan. So oh. when uh, We Care A Lot came on, I was, oh, I was just in that moment yeah, yeah I've <laughs> and, uh, if, if i've if mentioned the person sat next to me <laughs> and, and you brought them so <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had no yeah, idea I, until this movie <laughs> i will say as well i've mentioned this to you before but i'm a strange duck and i have really weird favorite uh, songs and one of my favorite songs of all time is since you've been gone by rainbow which i can't believe hasn't appeared in a guardians movie because that is that perfect 70s 80s metal rock hair yeah. rock era type thing so when yeah. that was used as a kind of um we're setting off on the mission track on this movie i was like yes finally <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh yeah and th th the last thing obviously so perfect that they were like, I've always been fond of this one. And the last yeah, thing you kind of hear is, is come and get your love, you know, yeah. <laughs> right back to the beginning. So I love that. <sighs> right. So do you have anything else before we uh, quickly give our scores and head out of here? Then, <laughs> No, I'll just say that, you know, it's the, the MCU has been running since what, 2008. Yeah. And to me, this has been the first trilogy where every single installment has been almost flawless to me it's yeah it's it's the only trilogy where all three entries are in my marvel top 10 for sure um as i say even though this is bottom of them the, weirdly they all are together i can't remember the exact numbers but like for argument's sake they're like six seven and eight or seven eight and nine they're they're all consecutive but it goes movie two one and three um but yeah i think it is easily the most consistent trilogy people will argue for the captain america trilogy, but i don't particularly like winter soldier <laughs> controversially so yeah. I, I I see. I like I like First Avenger, and I love Winter Soldier. I think Civil War let it down slightly, strangely mm. enough. Interesting. And yeah, there's not really any other. I mean, the Iron Man trilogy fumbled arguably twice. Yeah, the Thor quadrilogy is a bit of a inconsistent mess. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for as much as people love Ragnarok, it wasn't my favorite. But I seem to like Dark World, and everyone seems to loathe that one. So. And I seem to like Love and Thunder when everybody loves it. So, you know. <laughs> uh, we are weird. And yeah, even the Avengers movies, I mean, Age of Ultron stands out as the weak link. So yeah, yeah. This is and then, you know, the and let's not go into Ant-Man right now. But yeah. Ugh, one good movie out of three. Yeah, as a no, I, I, I even enjoyed the second one 
I it, that movie. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of street level, and and it still had you know his cast of characters around it, and I like that. Oh. And they just seem to throw it out the window for the third one. Just one thing just, the uh, one thing we are forgetting that's just occurred to me that we might get some grief for, but again, I don't like the first movie controversially is the Spider Man trilogy. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I like it, but I don't think it's. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I enjoy it, and I think they're well-made movies. And that there's not one I could look at and say, "No, that's a bad film." See, I didn't I like think, Homecoming. I thought that was bad. <laughs> oh no, I enjoyed it. I mean, that that scene alone, where him and Keaton are in the car together towards mm. the end, love it. But I, yeah. when you compare that trilogy, you know, even with your love of No Way Home to this trilogy, I think oh, Guardians yeah. just blows it out of the water. It's- it's consistency, as I said, and without wanting to sound like a broken record, I think that's the key is consistently. There are consistently good three movies. I mean, my rating for the first one was four and a half when we recently did it. My rating on Letterboxd for the second one is common knowledge. It's five. And I may as well say it now. My rating for this one was also four and a half. So you really can't get much more consistently. Yeah. Like they're all on that level. So that would be my score out of five would be 4.5. Uh, so what would you say you would give this out of five? I'm good. Mate, it's a trilogy that is so good and features Howard the Duck in each one. It's got to be a 4.5. <laughs> uh, well, you're out of luck unless you go duck. So there we go. <laughs> On that bombshell, <laughs> I think it's safe to say we enjoyed the movie. And I'm glad about that because, I, 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 like I said, I would have chatted and bonded over our sort of uh, our thoughts and opinions on that anyway. So we may as well have it on record. And uh, if you've enjoyed this and you want us to do more mini reviews, by all means, uh, let us know. You can also still request a movie for us to do uh, because of our 200 subscribers video. We op- opened the floodgates and said you can request anything at all. And if we get enough requests for anything or we get enough suggestions, we'll put them in a little drawer and pick one out. We've only had two so far. So if you don't want us to have to review Claws or Laid in America, then please give us please, anything else. Please, for the love of God, <laughs> give us another suggestion. Yeah, and uh, yeah, stay tuned because we will be back one week from the time this goes out with our review of The Terminator. So in a very fitting way, it only remains for me to say thank you very much, DK, for joining me for this one. And, uh, yeah. and in the epic words of Arnie, we'll be back. I'll be back.